0: The following podcast is proudly brought to you by Vite Ramen. Use the link in the description and use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off tasty, healthy, and easy-to-make ramen. And also use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Windows keys and Shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website at CDKeyOffer.com. Now on with the show. in Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host Tom, and I am joined today as I am, as I don't know why I always have trouble reassessing it every time, but I guess that's the type of pedantic way my brain works. You are here on every news episode to my memory, my co-host, Dan. Dan, why do I do that? I always pause and then I'm like, was he on every news episode? And the answer is, of course, yes. Yes, I, I don't think I've ever
1: missed one. I think there was one episode where I wasn't on for part of it
0: for some reason, but... Yes, you were. there was some specific reason. You couldn't be available for very long, but you could find just like 45 minutes. And so I truncated the episode's news stories to be more technical near the end so that I could just answer all of those. Yes, it might have been a wedding I went to. Now, additionally, I didn't have an interesting opening thing to say, but it should have been horse voice Tom as some of my friends came down from Illinois and my, I mean, my voice is, I, it's going to be fascinating folks. What I sound like near the end of this episode, <laughs> like it's already sounding pretty hoarse at this point. Will it sound donkey by the end or zebra or zebra? I think. Well, what, how would you, if you were to have a scale in terms of like which voice sounds worse, wouldn't it be a donkey voice should be worse than a horse voice? Or are you suggesting zebras are worse than donkeys?
1: Uh, I just think they're two different paths. I don't know which is which, to be honest with you, but I, I, I would think a zebra is worse than a donkey. I don't know. Just something in, in terms of them. if
0: you were establishing the intactness of your voice.
1: Yes, it, they are also different words that uh, sound the same, though. So,
0: <laughs> now would this be because you think zebras are just overall worse animals, and so if you were to continue this ridiculous discussion, it should mean your voice sounds worse, or what?
1: I hear that zebras are dicks,
0: so that that's where I'm I'm drawing my conclusion from. I do hear that as well; that they really are not nice animals, whereas donkeys are very nice. So you might okay, but so then so. A horse voice be worse than a donkey voice. Horses are also pretty nice, I think. Yeah, they're nice. Generally, I like donkeys a lot, though, I guess is what I'm revealing. And maybe I feel like I threw them under the bus. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you did, Tom. Well, <laughs> we'll see what all of you think of that opening discussion. I'm not sure I approve <laughs> of it very much. But uh, let us... Uh, well, I got a couple things to get out of the way first. So I just wanted to plug the Moore's Laws Dead Patreon. I don't really think I do it quite enough Um, The die shrink of last week was basically just a bonus broken silicon episode. I wasn't sure if I was going to bank it as a guest episode in and of itself. It is with a 6G expert and therefore an expert on 5G, 4G, all that kind of wireless technology even went into Wi-Fi tech a little bit. But me and Gerard talked about it. We're like, is this too off subject even if we sometimes get off subject to be a main episode and we kind of lean towards yes. So I don't know if it will ever be part of some upcoming Broken Silicon episode, but it's out there. And I got to say, even though it's off subject, the comments that we have on the Patreon are that this is one of the best guest episodes yet. So just remember you uh, support us for $2 a month. You get that for free with zero ads right now. So just wanted to put a little plug out there for the Patreon is I think there's a mountain of exclusive content. A lot of people probably aren't aware they could get for not that much. Um, And then on a lesser happy note, I guess I I didn't know if I should do this update, but I guess I kind of have to, I dropped hints of it. I think in the last loose ends that I might be unavailable periodically every now and then because Reese's might be getting sick and, I guess there's no good time for me to do this, but just to tell the community that she's been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So, and it really doesn't look very good. Now, the good news is that right now, you wouldn't know. Like, she's running (laughs) around. She's happy. She played with me and my friends. In fact, I got a inflatable pool to put in my backyard (laughs) where my friends were here in Nashville when it was 100 degrees outside. and We just chilled in the pool with Reese for a few hours, and she just walked from end to end to the pool, letting different people pet her one by one in a circle. <laughs> so she's having a great time, but I, it's just kind of a warning that at some point before the end of this year, she might not be in the ads and um, I might disappear for a week. And it's probably because of that, if it happens, because she does come first. Yeah. So I don't know, Dan, if you want to say anything, I mean, you've known my dog for how long now? um i mean what you got her in 2014
1: probably i Something think like 2016 well, uh, no, well no no 20, 2015 2015
0: 2015 yeah. Yeah. i mean yeah she's a great dog so <laughs> probably do the best Reese. behaved dog it's up for debate in the pantheon of dogs we've had in our family who's the best but i think she's distinctly the best behaved
1: Yeah, she is very well behaved.
0: (laughs) I mean, to the point that we get comments in our YouTube videos consistently, like, how did you get her to sit there and, like, hold a marker like she drew on something and then do a trick? And it's... I don't know. She's just... She's always just seemed to understand English. Yeah. Like, I can tell her fairly (laughs) specific things. Like, go go over there and, you know, do that. Like, and she'll just go jump on the thing I pointed to in the distance, lay there and look at me. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so... We're not going to get any more depressing than that about it for now, but I guess I should just let you guys know ahead of time that, you know, I would say one of the main members of the Moore's Law's Dead team is unfortunately getting sick right now, but we'll keep you guys updated. All right. On another note, let us get into an opening reader mail here. Carbon Cry writes in, and he says, Tom, how does it feel being pushed out of the Tech League game by Intel themselves? It is increasingly clear. That what Pat's master plan truly is at Intel is to transition Intel to becoming a Twitter leaker themselves. This b- business plan shift is obvious with their massive Rialto bridge leak and even Falcon Shores. I mean, Ponta Vecchio still does not even have a launch date, but Intel managed to get a huge <laughs> scoop on its supposed successor. How will this affect you and other smaller creators who now have to compete for information with Intel? And can Intel get enough YouTube views to satisfy their shareholders? You know, their presentations don't get very many views on YouTube, actually, I've noticed. I mean, Um, to satisfy shareholders, I feel like their views would need to be in, like, the hundreds of millions to billions range, probably.
1: So... Yes. I don't think they're going to hit that anytime soon.
0: They'd have to, like, get the views of some random kid who just does unboxings and gets clicked on constantly by five-year-olds who have their mom's iPads.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. Just buy a... Linus Tech Tips and Marquez Brownlee's channels and combine them and make an just a ungodly monster of uh, generating YouTube views on computers.
0: Now, the, the joking aside, I mean, we well, we did joke about before when AMD confirmed Bergamo a little sooner than we expected, like over a year before it came out. We were like, no, did they do this? Because I already leaked all the details, which again, I'm not I'm saying like, is there a chance they were like, well, we might as well confirm we have this. And I I don't know. I think it was a balance of maybe a little bit of that, you know, when they confirmed that, but also just the more Intel confirms things way in advance, AMD's feeling pressure to reveal a little bit more sooner than usual, just so they're, even though it should go without saying, just so shareholders know, no, we're going to have stuff too next year, even if we haven't told you yet. And I feel like that's what they've done recently with their financial analyst day where they frankly didn't confirm anything specific, but they're like, yes, of course there's going to be zen 4th v cash there's going to be zen 4c zen 5c they just, you know mm-hmm. they kind of just said all the code names without really you know, mi 300 will be an apu like it's been rumored but intel's just taking this to another level where they're like saying supposed entire performance claims of things coming out in like 3 years and it's a joke from carbon cry but i agree like i don't know what's going on <laughs> at Intel where they're confirming things three years in advance when they don't have anything out now that, that, that comes before that. And it's again, it's, I want to be clear. It's not like AMD where they're like, yes, Zen 5C exists. You could have guessed that. They're like, here's a bunch of performance targets for Falcon shores, which is just absurd. Yeah.
1: I mean, I can't tell you why they're doing that. Hopefully it's a sign of confidence. Although the, uh, the, Seeming endless delays of all of their products shouldn't suggest that. May, maybe they're in a uh, a forest
0: of uh, delays that they'll get out of eventually, though. A Sierra forest, hopefully. Mm. <laughs> all right. Let us move on. I, I thought you were setting that up. It sounds like you weren't intending to. No, um, I wasn't intending to, but I'm glad I handed you the accidental layup. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) Nothing but net, baby. All right. Let us move on to corrections and omissions. Eric Christie writes in with something that a few people wrote in on, Dan. There were some, there's, uh, I keep using this word recently after hearing Robert Halleck say it, but there was a lot of consternation Mm. around a discussion that I had with a recent guest. Eric Christie says, first, let me state that I'm an avid listener and have a lot of respect for your analysis on computer hardware. However, I was quite disappointed in the latest broken silicon with the discussion of EM waves as a possible cause of cancer. This discussion was initiated by an email that was founded on, mis- well, it was a reader mail, founded on misunderstandings of the physics or simply misremembering a lecture, perhaps. Cancer can only be caused by ionizing radiation such that the electron emitted by the ionized atom can result in a break in a DNA strand. Radio, microwave, and infrared waves do not carry enough energy per photon to be ionizing. As far as I know, there are no credible studies linking cellular phones to cancer, and this is simply false and misleading info. As a subatomic physicist, I feel it is important to try and correct such misinformation where I find it so it does not continue to propagate. For that reason, I strongly encourage you to correct the record on this, and read this message from me. Sincerely, Subatomic. (laughs) Look, two things. I do feel like me and my guest from Meta stumbled through a couple questions there, acknowledged, and that's why I'm, of course, reading this corrections, because I don't want to put misinformation out there. Having said that, I do feel a need to point out that by the end of that, we said none of this stuff probably causes any cancer, and so... Maybe that probably was bad. Maybe just stumbling through the answering was bad. But, I mean, I just, my memory was the focus was on if this causes cancer, what is it doing that other things around us aren't doing? And that's why it probably doesn't cause cancer. Now, of course, this subatomic physicist directly answered authoritatively why it doesn't. (laughs) But I don't know. What did you have to, what do you want to say, Dan? Um, I mean, ionizing radiation is generally
1: is the radiation that causes mutations in dna and there's other obviously a ton of things in the environment that cause cancer i make the joke that everything causes cancer but i i don't think there's a strong study that says uh anything that like a radio wave could cause cancer
0: at least any type of waves that we're discussing here
1: yeah unless these are emitting a ton of ultraviolet or gamma rays or something (laughs) which would be uh News to physicists, I think.
0: (laughs) Right. So I guess all I'm saying is, I hope it came through that we were saying VR devices and other things aren't going to cause cancer, number one. Number two, calm down, guys. We're not trying to propagate misinformation here. Um, Although I did bring up that 6G expert on the primer call, like the one before we did the recording, just to touch base. I made a joke about, well, you know, and you guys are also causing COVID with your 5G towers. And she almost didn't laugh. And I felt bad because it's like, oh, God, she probably actually has to deal with people suggesting that stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to stop the conversation there. <laughs> Cole Addict writes in with another correction. He says, hi, Tom. In several podcasts now, when talking about monitors and how long it's taken for OLED to become widely available, you have said it was introduced to us in 2012 by LG. Well, I didn't say introduced. I said, like, shown off at a CES. Um, he says, but it was actually Sony who showcased it at CES in 2007 with the XEL-1. So some of us have been waiting even longer for this technology to become mainstream. Yeah, I mean, Sony usually comes up with a lot of panel technologies first. Let us also not forget that, well, I guess this is completely unrelated, but like the Vita had OLED first. And then, although it's really just entirely different OLED technologies, the one they use in a TV versus in a handheld. But um, yeah, I mean... The reason I bring up LG, though, instead of Sony uh, is because they've actually brought good OLED panels to market kind of, I don't know if you want to say before Sony, but in a mass market way before Sony. And that's why I always use their 2012 CES thing as an example, because that mm-hmm. was the one that looked more real, more primed, more likely to come out first. And even then, it still took years for it to become a, re- a product that you could buy for less than five grand. Now, did Sony show off OLED TVs first? Sure, but like I don't believe they really had OLED TVs out until after LG did in a similar type of pricing way. If that makes sense, am I am I wrong? Are you looking this up, Dan?
1: I mean, I'm looking at the uh, OLED uh, from 2007 that Sony put out, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of people bought it. it I I don't remember this monitor existing at all. So it's clearly a or TV, I guess actually. So it's clearly a very small production run and. It was 960 by 540, which even in 2007, that that would have been pretty low resolution, if I'm remembering correctly.
0: (sighs) Yeah, that's, I mean, that's below 720p. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely then. I guess, again, though, that's why I bring up LG. LG showed off like a, resolution that was not oddly low and something they acted like was going to be on the market next year Then it was on the market in any real way i think until if i remember right like 2016 having said that the correction still stands yeah sony was showing this off and (laughs) nothing nothing but crickets for honestly almost a decade since then when lg's really got good um but okay then let us then move on from corrections and omissions to the first story. Story number one Intel 4 process node detailed, doubling density with 20% higher performance. Quoting here from Tech Power Up Intel semiconductor nodes have been quite controversial with the arrival of the 10 nanometer design. Years in the making, the node got delayed multiple times, and only recently did the general public get the first 10 nanometer chips. Today at IE triple e's annual vlsi symposium we got more details about intel's upcoming nodes called intel 4 previously referred to as seven nanometer process intel 4 is the company's first node to use euv lithography accompanied by various technologies the first thing when a new process node is discussed is density yeah this is interesting because i think if you go back to my initial redwood cove leak i call it intel 7 nanometer still in 2020 of course before they rebranded it to intel 4 compared to intel 7 which is really 10 nanometer intel 4 which i used to call 7 nanometer will double the transistor count for the same area and enable 20 percent higher performance transistors look at individual transistor size the new intel 4 node represents a very tiny piece of silicon that is even smaller than its predecessor with a fin pitch of 30 nanometer i'm going to skip through most of this here but the point is This recently applied only to Lodge for S from the new PDK provides a 0.77 area reduction, meaning that the same SoC on Intel 7 will not be half the size if it was made on Intel 4. And at the same ISO power of 0.65 volts, Intel reports a 21.5% gain and sustained frequency with Intel 4 compared to Intel 7. At higher power, like 0.84 volts, the curve flattens to about a 10% improvement. Yes, that would be the more high-performance stuff. For ISO frequencies, the company reports 40% lower power, comparatively measured at 2.1 gigahertz transistor switching speed. Right, so yeah, that's going to have really low mixed usage power usage. But yeah, so, uh, I don't know, I thought this was worth reading first, as it does seem to me, even if Meteor Lake, and we'll get to it in a second, is kind of being delayed, although maybe not officially from what they've said publicly, but from what I've heard behind the scenes, what they were expecting it is being delayed, that the node it's going to be on does look competitive with TSMC's 4 nanometer in some ways. Yeah, I mean, and I I think Intel 7 uh, obviously isn't completely
1: up to uh, where TSMC is at, but, you know, I think this is kind of what we are predicting was that once Intel is past 10 nanometer, they're going to become more competitive with TSMC probably not leapfrogging them at any point or clearly leapfrogging them. But I mean, uh, it's good that meteor Lake will be on a competitive node to TSMC, I guess. And they're not stuck in another cycle, which I don't, they Pat Gelsinger seems pretty confident that they won't be.
0: <laughs> or now seemed, I should say. here's the thing as well. There'd be some people that maybe just heard me say, Oh, it's seems to be mostly competitive with, uh, tsmc's n4p and they'd go well it seems really competitive i would say well keep in mind intel's 10 nanometer did not meet its initial design goals the density it hits right now is a bit behind that's true. Uh, tsmc's seven nanometer and so if tsmc's five nanometer which i don't remember off the top of my head but i think it's like 80 percent 70 80 percent more density this is doubling density but it's on a less dense node starting it's still mostly going to be behind tsmc's four nanometer at a few things especially because i hear that the yields they're expected to get out of it are only going to be good for very small nodes again people will be good to go back and look at my very very small or die sizes okay yeah people will be good to go back and look at my like arrow lake meteor lake update video where i point out that meteor lake is somewhat being compared to ice lake at first better than ice lake (laughs) <laughs> but not quite as good working as Tiger Lake when it first comes out. Until later in the year is the goal. Um, so if they meet those goals, okay, maybe by the end of the year they'll have something good. But otherwise, I don't know. It still, it still seems like they're going to be behind. And remember, by the time this were to be ready for like desktop near the end of 2023, TSMC is going to be launching some three nanometer products, guys. So
1: uh, that's true. I, I mean, um yeah i I know there are have been rumors for months now and leaks coming out that they are three nanometers a bit behind schedule but i guess this is what a year and a half out
0: (laughs) amd still shows three nanometer on the roadmap for zen five so yeah and from what i hear from people it is not an intel 10 nanometer situation what does that mean at the end of the day I mean, we're going to have to see, but I continue to push back. Uh, While well, I maintain there are issues, and I've been reporting on them and dropping hints of them for like a year now, <laughs> I maintain that let's not get ahead of ourselves in how bad they are, because for all we'll know, they'll have it entirely fixed anyways you yeah. know, by the time we get to the end of next year. All right. But I wanted to start with something that was somewhat optimistic for Intel before we got into the next story. <laughs> Let us move on then to story number two. Intel Sapphire Rapids shipment delayed to quarter two of 2023. At Moore's Law is Dead, we try to avoid covering the exact same thing multiple weeks in a row, but sometimes it's just unavoidable. A welcome example of this is when we sometimes get two massive leaks about an upcoming GPU generation one month and are forced to cover it twice. But other less happy months, we will get multiple updates on a company's stumbles. That is the case this month, and I bet you can guess which company it is. Intel. Last news episode, a major discussion centered around our growing concerns of Intel's inability to release stuff on time, with the confirmation from Moore's Law's dead sources back then that Meteor Lake and Emerald Rapids are likely to end up as Zen 5 competitors if any more delays keep happening. Well, more delays just did. Sapphire Rapids is now rumored to launch mid-2023, and I believe this is confirmed by Intel, too, possibly half a year or more after Genoa launches, and therefore, next to Genoa X and Bergamo. This is a disaster in the making for Intel's competitiveness, in this writer's opinion, and even more troubling is the realization that one of these two things needs to be true then. Either Emerald Rapids is launching only one to two quarters after Sapphire Rapids, uh, like, you know, somehow they make that happen, or it's launching in 2024 right next to 256 quarters. Turin, just like Moore's laws had suggested, seemed likely uh, almost a month ago now. So right, do you, I, you remember that discussion, right, Dan? Like, it seems like if we're being honest, this is going to really launch next to Turin. And again, either Sapphire Rapids is going to be incredibly short-lived or... Yeah. I mean, and you, to be,
1: you've had generations like that in the past, but I, I don't think... I don't think bringing up uh, maybe my memory is just screwed, and I always for on timing is just completely screwed. But that was a similar situation to what Rocket Lake and Comet Lake, which I don't think uh, that's necessarily a good comparison you want to draw uh, <laughs> when it for comes Intel to fast turn, when it comes to fast turnaround, though. So there, it's not unprecedented that a generation only lasts for four to like eight months. It's rare, especially in this environment, but hopefully for the sake of Intel Emerald Rapids isn't releasing next to uh, Turin.
0: (laughs) Well, and you know, I would just say either way, we'll see. I certainly hope what we see happen is when I say, like when we hear quarter to 2023, it's not like, again, at this point though, why would we assume anything else? Almost every time Intel says a quarter, they mean paper launch at the end of that quarter. So that's just what I'm, my, I'm forced to guess is going to happen because they always do that. But it would be good if it was April and then Emerald Rapids actually ended up launching like November that same year. Hopefully that's what happens. And, and really, the
1: only quarter I expect, and I guess this is specifically for consumer launches, the only quarter where I don't really think that uh, when I hear it is, it's at the end of the quarter is a quarter four release. Quarter four, I think, mm. oct- uh, October or November typically, because They don't want to release consumer products around Christmas, but everything else, if you say quarter one, two or three, I think you're saying March, June, March, June or September.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much always. And I, I guess I would just also say when people go, well, it's not crazy for Sapphire Rapids to be short lived. I would say. That's also what they said was going to happen to Ice Lake X. They said, yeah. oh, and I leaked that. Oh, this is going to be a short lived generation. It's only going to be out for like six months as a stopgap before we get Sapphire Rapids out. And here we are a year later. No. As Ice Lake X is just having a full product life of a year or more. So this yeah. keeps happening. And I don't know why I would assume anything else is going to happen with these products.
1: Um there's certain at this point there's certainly no reason to believe that intel is going to is going to catch up anytime soon like it seems like you are not getting a one product is delayed it seems like systemically there they are delayed across the board it seems like so a three like it seems like three months delays in products uh stack more than uh you just expect like a three-month or two-month shortening of one product's lifespan, which isn't good. I mean, I think eventually something is going to have to give and one of their products will release on time or not more than two. Yeah, or just straight up be canceled and they'll catch up with their their releases. But I don't know why I would bet on any specific... uh, I don't know why I would bet on any specific... uh, release doing
0: that i i think it will happen eventually but, but why I, I would think we put money on like if we were to make eight bets and we were to bet everything just gets stacked and delayed in a row yeah. we're gonna be right like seven out of eight times yeah and, and it, me saying i think they'll catch up
1: eventually i feel like because the equivalent of an uh, somebody that says well there's gonna be another recession eventually and it's like yeah there's we all know there's going to be another recession. I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's like some big brain thing that I'm saying when uh, uh, probably not the best time to discuss that this week. But uh,
0: <laughs> well, no, but like let's, but I, but, the, but you know like
1: you can always say there's going to be another
0: recession because that's like by default correct as well you're I'm not saying. really saying anything <laughs> yeah. you might as well have just made a fart noise come out of your mouth it's like those people that are like oh you better just buy up tons of silver and gold cuz there's going to be a recession and they miss out on 20 gains of a bull market it's like well okay you were right one out of 21 years but there were 20 years you could have been making money so good job saying the world's going to end for 20 years
1: yeah and i just don't think there's any reason until they reverse this trend and when i say reverse the trend i don't mean a like Hmm. what we're calling it now, Alder Lake possibly being a dead cat bounce. Um, I I don't know if you would... That's not the reversal of a trend. The reversal of a trend is, at a minimum, two releases uh, in a row. Or two releases going well in a row. Because Alder Lake still was a bit late, wasn't it?
0: It was just well-received. It was like a month late. Maybe a Uh, a week to a month. Of what they wanted to do. Uh, That's probably... Close enough to, say, on time, I think. <laughs> I I would, I would generally agree. It's just when AMD says fall, you can bet it's going to be out by the end of fall. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be like, oh, it's the last day. That's just such an Intel move. Um, yeah, I guess I would also say that I've kind of heard that Granite Rapids is being redefined as like a better thing because I don't... I, I Honestly, the the stuff I heard from concrete sources a few months ago is that Granite Rapids actually had lower core counts than people thought. And mm. that was on a, you know, it sounds like it may be getting redefined on Intel's three nodes. So that's basically like the slight tweak of their four nanometer node um, with a better architecture or something. So we'll just have to see how that pans out, you know. And mm-hmm. this does happen. When you have things three or four years out, like, for example, Lunar Lake, There wasn't always this defined Arrow Lake before it with Lion Cove until about a year ago. Like, there was a while where they weren't sure when Lion Cove would appear. And it sounds like Granite Rapids may be getting redefined to get maybe something better on a better note if they can pull it off. But that's why I almost wonder if it's like, are they just going to release Sapphire Rapids and then a year later launch Granite and just basically skip Emerald? I don't know. Uh, But Emerald's still there on the roadmap with 64 cores. So... Well, and I think if even if it still just has
1: 64 cores, if it's a product they can appreciably release, they're going to even if it doesn't exist for very long or because I I
0: assume it will be better than
1: uh, Sapphire Rapids.
0: This summer, whether you're getting exercise outside or finding ways to stay active indoors like me, it's always nice to have something around that acts as a quick and tasty meal that's also healthy, full protein, and reasonably priced. For me, that's Vite Ramen, who's a sponsor of this piece of content. Vite Ramen is an American company that pays its workers fair wages and crafts a protein and nutrient-dense meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste. In fact, it's even quicker now with Ramen Go, a product that offers the same calories and tastes as their traditional v3 packages you're probably used to now if you're a follower of this channel while allowing you to even more quickly make your food or bring it to work for lunch and they keep updating their recipes like the new v3 edition of beef pho so you keep having fun new flavors to try click the link in the description and use the offer code broken silicon to save 10 percent off a variety of different special bundles just for Moore's slaset fans that include things like spoons chopsticks and more if you so choose this is a great deal for you and it helps support this channel tremendously seriously i eat it it's tasty it's healthy it's fast they keep making even better and better recipes that are quicker and quicker to make and it's reasonably priced try vite ramen today all right let me move on then to story number three Raptor Lake almost certainly launches after Zen 4. Here's the write-up. Well, Moore's Law that cannot go into great detail yet, one thing that has been consistently hinted for the past few weeks by yours truly continues to show signs of evolving from a Pikachu of little hints and winks into a fully developed Raichu of confirmed launch dates. It seems like, indeed, Zen 4 should launch before Raptor Lake at least effectively. On Sunday, Tom tweeted that Raphael, number one, has a planned partner briefing for the launch event in early August. And number two, has a planned press event for fully revealing the for lineup late August. So briefing partners for the launch in the beginning of August and then briefing the public to what the lineup is before the end of August. All of this comes hot on the heels of other leaks emerging, suggesting that the mid to late September release, retail release Moore's Laws had pointed to in a recent video, Could actually be happening, and maybe even happening as early as September 15th, although I personally suspect that that September 15th date is more of some kind of shipment thing, not the actual retail purchasing date on Newegg. But anyways, simultaneously, more whispers continue to roll in, suggesting that Intel's Z790 chipset won't be at all ready until late September at the earliest, and Raptor Lake itself sounds to be slipping to late October. All of this suggests AMD may have a full month of dominance before Raptor Lake launches, which in this writer's opinion is a major advantage for AMD when the two competing lineups will be very close in performance. One more thing worth reiterating. This is not a situation of Intel holding back a launch so they can compete with a full family of products right away. The rest of the non-K Raptor lineup launches quarter one or quarter two i do have to say that because i was talking to some of my friends about this and they're like well yeah but does intel have more obligations to like oems and stuff you know does is it because amd can afford to just rush something out to the do-it-yourself and intel can't and i said like no it's like two quarters later is when the oem stuff comes so mm -mm. this is them desperately trying to launch something near zen 4 that seems to be slipping about a week every time i get an update well yeah and I,
1: i i just think given the new uh I mean, the the fact that Zen 4 will be on a new platform, uh, Intel, has, I, Intel is in the ca- uh, corner where I think they're trying to deflate uh, Zen's launch more than the other way around, and I don't think you could really successfully do that unless they could beat Zen 4 to market. So if they're not going to successfully do that, uh, yeah, I, I think Zen 4 is in a really good position that most people will buy. I mean, I guess the only reason I could really think a Raptor, like, the most convincing reason someone would want to get Raptor Lake is, like, I don't know if they got, like, a 12400 earlier this year, and now they Mm. want to get the
0: 1390K or something. Well, and a 12400 mean you advise them to get, and should not feel bad for getting. You got a great Alder Lake CPU that outperforms the overwhelming majority of Zen 3 CPUs for less money, often using less power. Now you can upgrade to Raptor Lake later. That's why we told you to do that. But yeah. if you're building new and AMD launches a month before the competition, I just see this as a pretty big deal. Simply because I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Like these lineups are going to be so like close to each other in performance. And I, I, last news episode, we said that uh,
1: <laughs> all thi- all things being equal, I think I would get the new platform unless. The new platform is, for some reason, buggy and disastrous.
0: I would <laughs> go for the new platform over the old one because it has a longer lifespan. Exactly, because we would be Intel fanboys if we didn't give the same advice we gave for Alder Lake. <laughs> We said get Alder because it's not a dead platform, and honestly, they are cheaper i5s or and i3s, really, maybe even more so i3s depending on how you look at it, were bargains. But now we move over. Now, Intel's the one on the last generation for the platform. AMD is not. We're basically just giving the same advice we gave before.
1: Yeah, although I I do feel that at some point, uh, if AMD continues to at least suggest that their platforms are going to be supported for three or four generations, which I think is what everyone thinks AM5 will be, uh, I think that is a pretty big advantage they have over Intel, where if Intel only supports their platforms for like two years and AMD supports them for five years, that is just a more
0: compelling reason to get AMD. I think. Right. And I generally, and I, and I do want to elaborate on this. Like, and again, it's not a hundred percent. We'll see if Intel can accelerate things. I certainly think they're gonna to try to paper launch something before Zen4 launches, but I doesn't see it seems like AMD's aware of this and is gonna paper launch before their paper launch or some or try to have retail availability like before Intel can even have a paper launch, which seems possible. What are you gonna say?
1: I mean if they have the designs for their or the specs for their top CPU finalized. And Intel is going to do a try to preempt them to with a paper launch. I don't know, do a paper launch of your top product
0: uh, the day or two days
1: before Intel.
0: I mean, I and mean, certainly trying to have is. retail availability before the actual reviews for Raptor Lake come out. Yeah, and and again, but yeah. So let me elaborate on why this is an issue because some people would say, "Who cares? I'm going to wait either way." And it's like, yeah, um, I we'll see. Uh, uh, this is launching next to Lovelace this is, and and again we'll see when lovelace literally launches but if you're someone who's one of these enthusiasts looking to buy like a 4090 or 4080 in october perhaps a week or two before raptor lake launches are you really going to buy this and then wait to build the new system maybe but if you need a new system i feel like there's enough boxes checked in amd's favor where you just get amd instead of waiting what's the worst case scenario you get something 5-10% weaker than intel but it uses less energy as a more future-proofed platform, and you can get it now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, who's—like, there's—and and we still don't know the final single-threaded performance. We don't know exactly where it's going to go, because I, I just do think it's going to trade blows either way, both of these lineups. There's a chance you could have a situation where Intel just launches the same performance a month later, except it uses more energy. And if that happens, it's like, ooh—
1: Yeah, I mean for the true for the true drag racers, that five to ten loss in performance potential loss in performance is a pretty big hit, but you do have to balance that out with, well, right now for a month I did have the strongest system, so I mean really I think it can go both
0: ways if you're the, the true
1: I need to see the biggest number possible person.
0: Yeah. All right, let me move on to reader mail here. Falto PS5 Series X owner writes in, he says, after watching and listening to your recent videos and podcasts, I'm getting worried for Intel, like at least on desktop. Upcoming launches might end up being similar to Rocket and Comet Lake, where the product itself isn't terrible, but came out too late, so it's almost meaningless. And on the server, it seems like 64 versus 256 cores is going to happen in a year. Yeah, there's no way Intel is going to win in any way with that situation. Not to mention Arc, which, if it came in quarter one this year, could have been great. But now we'll compete with RDNA 3 and Lovelace, so why bother buying Arc now? So my question is, is there any hope or good news from Intel's side of things? Or is it all doom and gloom, and will Intel be the next IBM? I would say we can't say that. I mean, look, here's the actual situation. On desktop, Intel doesn't seem like they're going to be as behind as they were with Comet Lake and Rocket Lake for the foreseeable future, period, right? Whether they win or lose now, whether they win or lose against Zen 5, it doesn't look like a Rocket Lake situation for years. So at least it's better than that. And on laptop, it seems like they won't be nearly as bad as when Saison dominated either. In server, it looks like things could actually get worse than things in the past to me. Which, to me, though, indicates that AMD is holding back. Because if they can dominate like this on server, if they just put the effort into it, I feel like they could dominate like that on desktop. They just have to actually spend more there on a more niche market. Yeah. Um. So it's not all doom and gloom, though. But it is also not as hopeful as I thought we were going to be. So would you disagree with, with me on any of that? Like, basically, no. We can't say they're becoming IBM yet. We can't. And it's not all doom and gloom. But... A year ago, when we were getting firm Alder Lake leaks, when I was starting to leak details of Raptor Lake maybe beating Zen 4 first, didn't we think things would be more positive now, though, for Intel than it's starting to sound?
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of a weird thing because like if ARK and uh, Alder Lake would have both came out when we expected them to, I think everything would be positive for Intel. If Raptor Lake... Would have came out uh sooner, although it's all I-, I guess all Lake like was always going to be a relatively short generation. But like if Raptor Lake and Meteor Lake all looked like they would be on time, yeah, this would be great. But now you just have a a bunch of products that are probably going to be good good enough and like not uncompetitively placed like at their pricing. It just it looks like they're uh, fighting to stay above water in terms of their technology all the time, as opposed to coming out with stuff that's generally speaking at more or less as advanced as uh amd and nvidia which right now they're not they're just six months to i don't know Mm. a year and a half behind depending on the market we're talking about
0: yeah so i'm trying to think of what else there is really to say about this again we're just going to have to see how it stacks up and but Don't underestimate Zen 4, and if it's basically the same thing using less energy a month before the competition, I just don't know who's waiting to get a platform that's a dead platform a month after the competition already has something comparable. But um, Andrew writes in, is the Zen 4 desktop chiplet still the same as the server one? Do you think desktop have any features disabled like AVX 512? Uh, Yeah, I mean, they're showing off AVX 512 constantly, so it'll have it. (laughs) And no, nothing's changing here. They're using the same... Thing they've been doing forever with Ryze and Andrew. Um, one thing that I do want to add to this, though, and I, and I want to add this because I saw someone mention this in the Moore's Laws at Discord today before we recorded. Like, he was, like, crazy disappointed in zen 4 Cash not coming out at the initial release. I would say to him, it is coming, and I've heard... I've heard some people suggest that people may be underestimating how soon it's coming, hmm. right? Guys, it's coming pretty soon. This year, maybe not. But I don't think AMD's waiting until late next year. I think they're going to push up that Zen4 V Vcash launch as much as they can. And I wouldn't be surprised if it launched less than half a year after the initial release, to which I would say this. The people saying, and I've seen this also in the Discord today, well, I'm still going to wait for Raptor. Like, okay, why don't you just wait for Zen4 V Vcash while you're at it? when CPUs are seemingly coming out, at least right now, every six months, yeah,
1: like you can have that discussion constantly.
0: (laughs) If you're waiting for Raptor Lake, you might as well wait for Zen 4 with Vcash because I wouldn't be surprised if at the reveal for Zen 4's lineup, they already are teasing it and they're like, we're going to have it out quarter one or two. I'm not promising that at all, but I've had some AMD contacts say, hey, it's coming soon, by the way. It's just, we can't have it out right away. I would almost wonder as well, I wonder if AMD could pull this off. Again, wild speculation, not a leak, guys. But <laughs> I wonder if AMD would consider doing this, like launching the 12-core, the 8-core, the 6-core right away, but like waiting to launch the 8-core v cash, 16-core V-cache, and just paper launching an engineering sample right at the end of the year to like take the performance crown anyways. Because people mm. would be good to remember that I have a 3950X, They didn't actually confirm that until months after they revealed, or I think weeks after they revealed the 3900X. People always forget this. And then it came out basically in December. Yeah. So (laughs) are we so sure AMD might not try to attempt something similar where, no, it doesn't come out in November or December, but it comes out January or February and they already have benchmarks on the table next to Raptor Lake? I don't know. All of this is possible, though. So again... Zen 4 v is coming sooner than I think a lot of you think. If you're willing to wait, you know, a month or more for Raptor, like after Zen 4's initial launch, I don't know why you wouldn't be willing to wait for Zen 4 v cash. You clearly don't need it right away, man. Yeah, and...
1: I guess we'll see. v just is, is weird, at least right now, because I think it's hard to launch v cat a, a, a full lineup of v next to a full lineup without it, because... I I, I I also really think it'd don't, be stupid. I don't know how you advertise or, or market that, especially if there's still compromises to be made with VCash, like there was with the
0: fifty eight hundred x three d um i I just don't think there's going to be as many compromises. And remember, yeah. at the end of the day, the compromises were minimal compared to the gains you got.
1: Oh, no, that's true.
0: <laughs> it's just not wholly better than the fifty eight hundred x, which makes it a little harder
1: to advertise, I think.
0: Well, remember, Dan, the 5800X 3D loses in Cinebench single threading to the 5800X, so that must mean it's terrible at gaming. Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of games use Cinebench, Tom. <laughs> yeah, the amount of people in the comments saying Cinebench single threading when we just had a CPU launch that loses that but wins in gaming. Come on, guys. Yeah, I know. Rowdy LS writes in. Hi, Tom and Dan. AMD has not provided any information regarding the end of life of the AM5 platform, to my knowledge. Do you think they could run into space or power issues as they try to compete with Intel over numbers of years, especially if the process tech stalls? Um, so two things. I'm kind of and this. I'm not singling you out, Rowdy. I am kind of getting a little sick of people saying, why isn't AMD confirmed Zen 7s on AM5 yet? Because they don't know for sure, dude. <laughs> yeah, and what's the power limit of AM5, or do we even know that yet? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, the TDP limit's supposed to be, like, 270, and I forgot okay. what the, like, total boost thing is, like, you know, over 200 watts, like, 232-something, whereas that okay. on AM4 was, like, 142 watts. So for, like, peak power, it's, like, I think, and don't kill me, guys. I, I'm just off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah. It's, like, going from 142 to, like, 230 watts for, like, peak but not sustained power.
1: Okay, I mean, I hope we're not in a situation in a couple years where, uh, in order to maintain uh, competitiveness, Intel and AMD are both having to put out
0: the uh, CPUs that use, uh, like, 300 watts. So, <laughs> Right, and I don't think it's necessary. I think people are forgetting, like, Zen 4's goal is to solve the... Frequency and IPC scaling with frequency problems. That's what this architecture aims to do. And also clearly massively up the efficiency of its uh, uh, simultaneous multithreading because we're seeing higher, in quotes, IPC from apps that use uh hyper threading compared to ones that just use a single thread so clearly there's something going on here where they wanted to make their multi-threaded workload handling just way more efficient especially when it uses avx 512 that's what zen 4 is aiming to do it's going to use more power because of that i don't think that means they're going to up power by 50 percent every generation guys i think that's just what they're doing with zen 4 giving themselves some room to let their future skus use more energy uh, i don't even know if they've technically confirmed the top one uses 170 watts yet although i kind of expected to um we know that the thing that the stuff that they've shown running those demos at computex wasn't even running at 170 watts though mm-hmm. um so i think future generations what we're going to expect is not just going to like three nanometer rowdy 3d stacking there's way there's a ton of different levers they can pull to up performance i don't think they're just going to be doing 300 watts or more and if you'll notice intel stopped with rocket lake Alder to like less energy they're not going back to like 300 watt cpus again either because it's just mm-hmm. impossible to cool
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so no I, I don't think this is a limitation of anything i think they just said let's give it more power and that you're not going to want a cpu that uses more than this anyways okay Let us move on to story number four. Moore's Law Zed Leaks, Little Phoenix, and other upcoming AMD APUs. Here's the write-up. Last week, Tom finally got the justification he needed to do an AMD APU leak video. That justification took the form of an APU no one else seemed to know about in detail, Little Phoenix. However, first, let's talk about the other upcoming APUs to give it some flavor. Mendocino launches with four cores, eight threads, Zen two, one work group of RDNA two, and this APU only has four PCIe Gen three lanes, so that also suggests it's not for budget gaming laptops. And I'm, by the way, I'm just to jump in. I'm disappointed by that because I don't think you need more than four core, eight threads, Zen two for most budget gaming laptops. It would have been cool if they could have paired this with, I don't know, you know, an RTX twenty fifty or something for like a four hundred dollar gaming laptop. But
1: there, there does not. I don't know if there's no desire for something like that on the market, or if they just don't, f- if no company wants to fulfill that niche. Because I, I, I feel like I'm crazy for, at this point, for thinking that that is a, at least a, a serviceable
0: market for a few pro uh, for a few laptops. You know, I mean seriously, like why do we have to keep pairing these like 35 watt Rembrandt CPUs with that are just. Crazy powerful with like a 3060. Why can't I put a 3060 with a five to 10 watt Mendocino quad core that will not bottleneck it?
1: Yeah, it's just funny. Like, if you want to have mid range, uh, a mid range GPU
0: and a laptop, you need to have like ultra high end everything else, seemingly. Yeah, but so clearly Mendocino is not meant to do that, and yep. thus overall, what is Mendocino? it's a quad-core Zen 2 with really weak graphics. By itself, I estimate it could actually perform 35 to 45% as well as Van Gogh and the Steam Deck if you were to let it really push past 2.2 gigahertz, which I know this a similar GPU IP block in Raphael does boost to. So, if you like basically what I'm saying is if you let this thing boost the graphics to like 50% higher frequencies, then what's in Van Gogh and then you also keep in mind it, only, it may only have one memory, uh, only one DIM of DDR5, but that's still half the bandwidth of Van-, Van Gogh while having a fourth of the compute units. I feel like all that averaging out could actually get to about maybe thir- a third to 40% the performance of Van Gogh despite having so many less compute units. But, again, that's if you were to put it in some budget yeah. laptop that... You know, it's pushing by itself to 15 watts, and I think of the 5-watt configurations, honestly, this is just a Nintendo Switch that uses half the energy, so (laughs) it's really not very uh, exciting. And Dan was kind of making a face like, it seems like you're really bending over backwards to make it sound even half-interesting, which I'm just telling you guys what's possible. It's a Netbook
1: CPU. I I mean, I don't know. It's... I, it's a
0: Pentium or Celeron. <laughs> it's a little weird they didn't give it to work groups, I feel like. I agree. but that, Or, that's or the is. ability to do other stuff, but yeah, we've <laughs> beaten that to death. It's follow-up APU is called Sonoma Valley. It sounds like it's coming out in 2024, but uh, besides that, uh, it's all I know, same platform, going to the same type of socket, coming out two years from now, probably pretty underwhelming as well, because as I talked about in my video, like, Let's say they gave it Zen four and like even two work groups of RDNA three. Ooh, that would like triple graphics performance. It, if it got to it's four, still two years from now. Yeah, and if it got to four work groups of RDNA
1: three, maybe it's that's the point where it would start being interesting. But
0: huh. I mean, so I guess then I what? I are just we don't... talking about Van Gogh performance in a yeah. budget laptop two years from now? Big deal. Yeah, it's like ooh, you brought Xbox One or PS four performance to a budget gaming device. Over a decade after the PS4 came out, <laughs> who cares? So, I'm really not, I'm even kind of less interested in Sonoma Valley to be honest. Um, and then there's Dragon Range that's the 16 core 32 thread Zen 4 repackaged Raphael, what I what we've been calling Raphael H for a while. A, if you look at AMD's wording in their official presentations for Dragon Range, they say like unrivaled mobile gaming performance. So, clearly, they think they're going to take the gaming crown on laptop with that. I don't know why they wouldn't. I have no reason to believe or to not believe that a 65 watt 16 core Zen 4 wouldn't perform at least as well as a desktop 5950x. So yeah, this will be totally desktop replacement. Remember, plenty of thin and light 15 watt uh I'm sorry, 15 inch laptops like the one I own, the NV15, can fit a 65 watt processor in there. So it's totally and it goes down to 55 watts. So it's totally conceivable they could put you know today's desktop flagship cpu performance into a thin 15 inch and maybe even 14 inch notebooks which is really exciting much more exciting than mendocino by the way and then finally uh before we talk about little phoenix we should talk about big phoenix just something i've been dancing around directly suggesting i you know recommend you watch the leak video where i really go through in quite a lot of detail what to expect out of the phoenix apu but just to tell you guys the cliff notes here in the podcast Eight cores, 16 threads of Zen 4, six works groups of RDNA 3, which should mean 12 compute units, not 24. And that this should be about the performance of a RTX 3050 or 3050 Ti laptop. Not 3060 desktop, not 3060 laptop, 3050 laptop, guys. So what does that mean? It's still like way stronger than Rembrandt. But the only way this is comparable to a 3060 is if you clock a 3060 so low, you can't even find a laptop that's clocked that low in real life, <laughs> which if AMD does that in it's marketing, I will call them foolish shit. to be honest. <laughs> like there's no need for AMD to compare Phoenix to a 3060 Max-Q that doesn't exist when you could just say as strong as, de- as laptop 3050s and that's impressive in and of itself. Um, it's meant for the same laptops Rembrandt is in. It's going to be paired with 4060s. It's going to, when it doesn't have a GPU with it, perform like a last-gen low-end card. It's not going to change the game, and it's more expensive to make than Rembrandt. So I wouldn't see this as some budget savior like some people were hyping it up to be. You, you sounded like you wanted to say well, something.
1: It sounds like with Phoenix, if they if they launched Phoenix now, I think they could advertise it as an actual... Like low end, an actual laptop that just with this APU gives you low end gaming performance, or they would probably say 1080p entry level performance or whatever spin they want to put on it to make it sound better than it really is. Um, but I still think next year, Phoenix, they're gonna try to advertise it again like that, and it's going to be paired with 40, and it's gonna be paired with a. Uh, 40 uh, 60 laptop editions <laughs> like that's what you're gonna see it in, in again next year or if amd or, or maybe a mobile amd gpu but dragon ridge looks cool i mean range I thi- range why did i say range? horrible mistake dan oh, horrible God. mistake well i know what the next uh correction is gonna be No. <laughs> uh but yeah dragon range I, I think is a thing that has to come out at some point if they want to actually say that they're have the strongest gaming laptops Mm -hmm. and who cares that it only has one work group. It's going to be paired with a GPU anyways. Um, And yeah, Phoenix is just a Rembrandt replacement. It would be cool if it were more than that, but eh And it looks like it will be a a good good.
0: replacement. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. And that's what (laughs) annoys me about talking about Phoenix here. Uh, It's just the only reason it sounds like we're downplaying it is because I have to deal with the same leakers who say bullshit like RDNA3 is going to triple performance. No, it's not. And you're setting up people to be disappointed by a phenomenal generation. Yeah, be be
1: happy that next that next year i mean uh, G- the gpu you might get later this year is uh going to be giving you like 3090 performance and it's mid range now or <laughs> like that's a huge uplift in performance i don't know why we need to I, I we talk about polishing a turd all the time i don't know why we need to polish gold to make it to call it more than gold
0: gold's good it's not platinum it's gold though it is gold and now everyone <laughs> might see it as silver because someone hyped it up as something it wasn't
1: yeah so
0: phoenix so i i yeah dragon range phoenix both look good (laughs) yeah absolutely like dragon range is a little tempting to me because once you pair that with like a mobile 4070 assuming a mobile 4070 performs a little similar to like a desktop 3080 or 3090 when you like it's like uh, this is where like depending on the price i'm like i don't know maybe just get a laptop because it's yeah look there'll be stronger stuff on desktop but good enough for most uses right guys i mean come on yeah especially well i'm assuming prices won't be
1: as dumb at that point as now but it's if laptop prices stay relatively where they are like yeah i would definitely probably i i, I think a lot of people would want to get that i don't think it's for me but you know if my laptop broke and i could just say screw it i guess i don't have a desktop anymore and get something like that
0: but to summarize this part of the conversation yeah. about phoenix then it's like is phoenix disappointing no this is a bigger increase than Cezanne over renoir pretty easily is it as big as rembrandt over Cezanne? uh maybe even a little bigger than that depending on how you think about it i mean The CPU, it's going to be more constrained. You know, it won't be able to boost as high. Um, And it is going to distinctly, I think, now, because Dragon Range will take over the high and distinctly target 35 to 45 watt, not feel like it has to go into the 65 watt range. But that's still going to mean you're probably getting a CPU, I would guess, 20 to 30% better than what you had before. And then you're getting a GPU, That um and and by the way, I based it on the fact that AMD says 25% better performance per watt, and now this is four nanometer instead of five. So it's still probably gonna be a a CPU that just brings that higher IPC and does boost quite a bit higher than Rembrandt does, though. So I do Mm -hmm. think you're getting like a twenty percent better CPU, and Rembrandt was only like 10% better than Saison. And then you're getting a GPU that's probably like sixty to eighty percent better. So it is a as big, if not bigger, than Rembrandt increase. It's really exciting, but that's all it is. Now, moving forward, I'm actually going to just say we should just launch this in as its own timestamp. as I think justifiably, <laughs> we talked about those four mobile SOCs as their own story. What prompted me to do this is I got information on something referred to as Little Phoenix, or I've had other people behind the scenes say there is something that's referred to as Phoenix 2, which is interesting because there was something called Raven Ridge 2, and that's what the dual-core Dolly uh, Zen 1 or I think it was Zen 1 APU was, mm-hmm. which was a micro version of the, you know, 14 nanometer Vega Zen 1 APU. So this is sounding, it seems like maybe Kamachi out there at well has heard of something called Phoenix 2. So most people within AMD actually probably refer to this as Phoenix 2, but it was described to me as Little Phoenix. And I think that's an easy way to describe it where everyone knows what you're talking about. Uh, I didn't really see a reason to talk about all these APU things. Like, we're only going to get more accurate information over time unless I have something unique to add, and this is it. So, yeah, it's four cores, eight threads Zen 4, four work groups of RDNA 3. So, again, look at the pattern here, people. Phoenix, still 12 compute units. Little <laughs> Phoenix, still eight compute units compared to Van Gogh. But it moves from RDNA 2 for both of them to RDNA 3. They both move from, like, well, I guess one of them moves from Zen 2 to Zen 4, the other one. You know, (laughs) uh, (laughs) the other one's moving from Zen 3 Plus to Zen 4. And I think that this is a pretty cool successor. Definitely a bigger deal if it comes out early than Big Phoenix is over Rembrandt. Because you're looking at, even if Valve were to use the same 5500 mega transfer per second memory, I think you're going to get at least 50 to 70% better performance than the existing Steam Deck. And I think if they really pushed it with a lot more bandwidth and such, they they could probably double performance. I just don't know if they will, because I'm guessing Van Gogh is like really bandwidth, like it has more than enough. I mean, it has the same bandwidth as Rembrandt, despite Mm -hmm. having like, you know, almost half the teraflops or something, or not halves, but less than two thirds. So, okay, there we are, Dan, little Phoenix, half the cores of big Phoenix, two thirds of the compute units though, similar memory controller. I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, you know, I think mo-
1: most of this is probably just going to go into cheaper thin and lights, right? I-, I think it could easily be adapted into something, like you say, like for the Steam Deck 2, which... Because what, the Steam Deck, generally, the people it can get gaming at like, what,
0: 800p with it? I mean, if... 800p 40 is what it does, and if you add 50% or more performance, I think you can maybe push it... I don't think they should push it to 1080p. Maybe push it to a 900p, maybe though. Yeah. And then a lock 60 yeah, and with that,
1: I think that's a, a less compromise. Uh, well, it is literally less compromise, but th- I think that at least pushes me over into this is a less of a novelty because the Steam Deck to be at, at 800p, 40 frames a second, it's just kind of not there. But if you can get it to 90, 60 consistently, that would be awesome. I mean, I don't know if Steam has any designs... To actually put a Steam Deck 2 out in the near future, but mm. I I hope they do, and this seems like it could be it already. The what the SOC they put in it already.
0: Yeah, my my suspicion right now is that it's probably actually a 2024 product. And one of my mm. contacts pointed out something very aptly, which is they didn't reveal Phoenix 2 at their financial analyst day. Now, is this because they wanted a competitive advantage? They didn't want to reveal their whole hand yet? Maybe. But that would also perhaps suggest, similar to not revealing Van Gogh slash Airith before someone was using it, that this really is a specific APU for specific customers. This isn't Hmm. like one of their, you know, like... What do you want? (laughs) This isn't like one of their Chevy Cruises that they expect a million people to buy and use in a bunch of... like, You know, this isn't their mendocino we expect to be used in a lot of places phoenix is like a standard apu we expect to be used in a bunch of places this might be a specific thing they're designing and again kind of like van Gogh, waiting for someone to bite whether that's again i would suggest microsoft surface or valve Ah, uh, that's a good point
1: because four core is starting to be per- that's a pretty small core count at this point i feel like the gen- generally speaking the market is six plus cores at this point for what people um want to buy in like a standard everyday use product uh but for i don't know like you say a steam deck maybe some uh microsoft tab maybe a microsoft convertible yeah th- i think this would be a really good for that
0: well and remember not all cores are created equal i know people want more than that but hey an alder lake i3 is almost as good as a zen 3, 6 core. Yeah, that's true. So, at the end of the day, I think one thing that's important when you think about the Steam Deck versus a Steam Deck 2's performance, if it uses this, which people are directly telling me this is the Van Gogh successor, so I expect it to be, like, either you have enough performance for the generation or you don't. Mm -hmm. You know, the Steam Deck has four Zen 2 cores, and they're clocked about the same speed as a PS4 CPU at most, actually. And so I go, I mean, PS5 CPU. And so I go, half the cores... Of a PS5. Um, guys, I don't think this is going to last the generation running AAA games. It's cool no. you're able to run Elden Ring right now at 30 to 40 frames a second. But I'm just warning you, I don't. this isn't going to consistently run AAA games the whole gen. Whereas a Steam Deck 2, something that brings a CPU. It's going from Zen 2 to Zen 4. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is going to be almost about comparable to a PS5 CPU. I think you're going to get a GPU that goes from being about the performance of a PS4's to in between a PS4 and PS4 Pro, which is definitely enough to last the whole gen, probably running every game. So uh, that's the only reason I hope they just don't worry about it and get it out there by the end of next year, because... I think this is where I just start going, yeah, okay, I can see why everyone wants this now because Mm -hmm. it really is going to run all your games at a locked 60 in a way that won't feel like it's falling apart by the end of the generation. Um, Let me ask you this, though, Dan. Here's the thing I'm wondering. What would they do, though, with this Steam Deck 2? Do you think they just update the internals and then that's it? Because this isn't someone like Sony or Microsoft where they can afford to just... Maybe pay for all of the tooling every few years for a new mold for the console. I'm guessing they don't have as much money mm. to throw around at completely redesigning what it looks like. Could be wrong. You have all these Kickstarter handheld devices that seem to do it every few years, <laughs> but they charge twice as much money. Yeah, I, I just that's something I wonder as well as what they're likely to do. Like, are they just going to put it in the exact same package and? call it a day i'm kind of suspecting they might but i don't know
1: i, I mean the other thing the other thing i guess i could ex- possibly see them doing is putting in a better monitor or screen but what's and then that's it, it right yeah because what's the, the screen is 800p correct it's 16 by 10 something 16 like that, by yeah. 10 okay so i mean maybe they would i don't know if they would go in with like a 16 by 10 like uh, what would that be like 1200p? But uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, like or
0: 1050,
1: yeah. So maybe 1050p or something like that. Um, and just replace the uh APU, yeah. I, I, I don't think you're gonna get a like complete redesign like the PSP to the PS Vita or something like that. I think it's generally going to be the same controller, same size, probably. I mean. For a little smaller, that would be nice, but I don't expect that.
0: No, and in fact, you have to think about, there are multiple things people have complained about. Battery life, people wish it was a little stronger, lasted a little longer. So if you're a valve and you're like, well, we have to choose. Do we make it slimmer and lighter, or do we focus on fixing the power and the battery? Like, Because you could keep most of the same externals and then just take the extra space on the inside and make the battery a little bigger. And then maybe even not push it as hard so that you use the fan less. Just try to get it from more of like a two to three hour battery life to more like a four to six hour. And then also have it perform just better enough to max out the screen. That's what I'm guessing they're likely to do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess the only other thing I would say is, you know, I think this thing's probably got a die size of maybe around 120 millimeters square. It's on five nanometer, but I think its overall cost may be about the same as Rembrandt, with about Rembrandt performance overall. So it would be interesting if long term they end up using this and not budget laptops per se by itself, but like those six hundred to seven hundred dollar ones. And again, I mean it's got a thousand twenty-four stream processors. So I could see this actually performing. You know, a little bit like a sixteen fifty by itself. I'm also kind of interested to see if more laptop buyers do bite on this because I think this could be a cool product for like your seven to eight hundred dollar thin and light that doesn't go wild with specs thing. Like I think that could work. Yeah, it could. Um, QH Freddy writes in: It's been almost six months since Rembrandt was announced at CES and the U-Series laptops are still complete unobtainium. Alder Lake is a bit better, but honestly still pretty slow to hit store shelves as well. Why do you think laptops are becoming so slow to launch with new processors? I don't know. I assume it's supply chain issues. I reached out to a couple of contacts about this because it is true. Even Alder Lake isn't the easiest thing to get a hold of. You still see tons of products launching with tiger lake right now which is just so weird to me yeah and unfortunate because i think they're both (laughs) both of the uh the laptop lineups are on paper very good yeah, so honestly, QH Freddy, I don't have a big answer for that. And Bfish adds on to this. B Fish thirty six writes and says, "Hey Tom, and or guest, depending on when you get to this." Well, it's Dan. Rewatching your big Intel leak video, you say that Meteor Lake is a quarter two, quarter three launch. Well, yes, that is delayed. Do you expect AMD to really have their supply chain in order to? Benefit from this at all? Rembrandt was, and he puts it in quotes: "Launched at CES 2022, but how many have hit store shelves? There's so little transparency, so it's hard to know if these are AMD supply-related issues or assembly issues related to lockdowns in China. I'm sure that's playing a role in this. Could you see a scenario where AMD announces Phoenix and Dragon Range in Mendocino and launches them, but Intel actually has Raptor Lake laptops in mass out before them, immediately like around the same time, even if its announcement is delayed?" Um, I think you're going to see probably some Raptor like HX laptops out before Phoenix, before Dragon Range. Though I don't know because if they can launch Raphael, I don't know why they can't launch Dragon Range. But it's hard for me to say. I really. Well, that, I
1: think that that's, that at a certain point is the market they're trying to satiate more than anything, isn't it? Like because Dragon Range is, it is just desktop,
0: isn't it? Or. It's repackaged into a smaller thing, but it's the same chiplets, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, of course, I guess. (laughs) But, I mean, I guess all I can say is I think Dragon Range will launch right after the highest-end Raptor Lake laptops, but I don't see any evidence Raptor Lake mobile overall, like the 6 Plus 8 and 2 Plus 8 models, are going to launch before Phoenix, and we're just going to have to see. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I'm i sure Meteor Lake comes out after them anyways. So I guess, like QH Freddy pointed out, B Fish, it is still pretty hard to get some wrapped uh, Alder Lake models, even if they seem to be more easy to get. So what I would say is maybe AMD's having a harder time with the supply chain, but at the same time, if Meteor Lake's coming out half a year after Phoenix, do I think by the time Meteor Lake's available, Phoenix won't be? No. Uh, either way Phoenix is launching first Um, where it's Actus writes and he says with all the IO on next-gen CPUs are we going to get a meaningful return of adding cards besides a single GPU Are ITX builders going to be at a significant disadvantage no because they just keep packing more and more inside of the CPU anyways I I don't know if you're suggesting because of all the extra PCIe lanes is this going to be an issue for like ITX builders not being able to fit as many M.2 drives I don't think it's any more of a disadvantage than they had before, where it's just like, hey, your motherboard fits less, I don't know what to tell you.
1: Now, are there other adding cards? I mean, what, what else would you want to add in besides, I guess, maybe a sound a card? Sound card? There, there's nothing else I would could think of.
0: And and I've got a, what is it, I think it's mini DTX motherboard from Asus that has a built-in sound card anyways that actually uses, like I think, PCIe lanes. They just mm-hmm. found a creative way to fit it in there, so it doesn't stick out. So I don't see why they can't do that again. You just gonna have to pay for it.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess with Mini ITX, you probably don't have the space to put that in a PCI uh, slot. But
0: they unless can... you put it sideways and like you know fit it yeah, in like an M.2 drive, which is what they did. Yeah all right let us move on to story number five nvidia holds lovelace launch till quarter four due to oversupply of ampere issues According to video cards and then i'm going to add on to it myself According to the latest information, the launch for Lovelace has indeed been delayed by a month or so for the RTX 4090 from August to September, and the 4080 to October, and the 4070 to November. Importantly, this does not rule out a possible announcement sooner. As mentioned before, those dates are not a final target. Things are rapidly changing on the GPU market, and the incentive now is to sell as many RTX 30 Ampere Series graphics cards as possible before the RTX 40 is available. Therefore, AIBs now expect a price cut on RTX 30 Series, but NVIDIA is not confirming those plans yet. So, I need to add on to this for a few reasons. Um, and I saw some people talking about this in the Discord. Like, didn't you guys say that even if they launched July be a paper launch and not ready until quarter four, basically, anyways? Yeah, that is what we said, guys, but... <laughs> I've got some updates here, and I actually have like some notes written down that I want to make sure I quote correctly from a source, because he said, yeah, distinctly, 40 series is October, guys. So That's it. I wouldn't be surprised if the 4090 actually launches October, and I, I won't say more than that, but this comes from some of my most reliable sources directly stating authoritatively October, October, October. So... A reason I wanted to make this a main story is I can myself confirm this, that October is when it's coming out, and I can even add some flavor to this story. Partners of NVIDIA were freaking out at the idea that Lovelace was going to be paper launched in July or August, because if it was, they're like, dude, no one's buying our series for MSRP if you do that. And I can't go into numbers or really say much more than this. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of Ampere cards stored away that they're trying to sell. Like a lot, guys. Like they <laughs> overproduce the shit out of them. So I'm just letting you know, if you keep waiting, these prices are going to have to keep going down. And well, They have to launch Lovelace eventually. <laughs> exactly. And if you ask me why October, I think NVIDIA just doesn't see... Uh, Alchemist is a threat anymore. doesn't really matter. People are losing interest and they're lowering prices below MSRP. You can, you're starting to find some Lovelace cards drop below MSRP every now and then already. If that's the case, then whatever, they'll just sell the 30 series next to Alchemist for like 30% below MSRP and like liquidate their stock. Then I think that's clearly what they're planning to do. And if, and I confirmed this in my May loose ends video, of, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, guys, RDNA 3 is quarter 4. So I think the way NVIDIA looks at it, okay, if it's launching quarter 4, then we're going to launch at the beginning of quarter 4, and we'll just, you know, yeet the rest of our Ampere cards at discount next to Alchemist. We have no reason to launch before our competition does. So that's basically that. uh, You know, Lovelace is October, and just letting you guys know the more you wait, if everyone keeps waiting in anticipation, (laughs) they're going to get even more nervous and liquidate more because they really, it's not like they have a little bit to sell. They have a lot of cards to get rid of. Uh, I don't know. Dan, what do you think about this? Well, I mean, there's also all those, well,
1: yeah, I mean, you've told me about how many freaking, and there's also a discussion that they stop production of them at some point, right? Or they're stopping production, like,
0: I never followed up on that, but yeah, there was some sources suggesting they may have already stopped production of Ampere by now because they just have way too many. Which, it's just such an odd situation
1: to be in that now. It's They've seemingly overproduced their lineup, uh, their cards, uh, when uh, they were so insanely priced for such a long time, but I guess that's what happens when, A, people get tired of the price these prices, and B, there's a mining crash. Uh, <laughs> but I... I I don't know. I think this is the first uh, time I were t- discussing a delay in a somewhat positive light. And it, it seems like it's mostly good news. Like, sure. I don't know. I guess the 4090 might come out in October instead of September or something. But at the end of the day, if that means prices actually hit MSRP or go below MSRP like you would think they should two years
0: later, uh, <laughs> I, I'm willing. I, I'm willing to take that trade. Yeah, I guess on the note of like a positive light for a delay, because what this means is they made too many cards and prices are going to have to be reasonable. Like, yeah, they would have you to be unless,
1: th- unless uh, they just want to spend money burning holes
0: in their wallets by keeping those in warehouses or something. Which I've heard some, it's funny, just a couple months ago, I heard some contacts uh, connected to NVIDIA saying things like, well, if we have to, we'll just write them off, but that's just not what they're saying anymore, and it's just so <laughs> funny to me. And I think it's because they thought, they realized they'd have way more to write off than they thought they would.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, this is, I, I think this is just a sign that at least this market is turning around and maybe we're moving to this being a more uh consumer friendly uh corporation less friendly market which
0: is better for us well and it's going to be on the backs of the, the back of a recession probably well that's almost certainly already started as well yeah um so i i see so many people in the comments go doesn't matter if it's going to be double msrp and these people just keep spamming it i assume that's what their voice sounds like when they're typing it like i i guys Look around. Look around. You're stuck arguing about the argument from a year ago. Prices are at MSRP now. They keep going down. I'm telling you, they have a ton of this just stockpiled. They don't know what to do with it. They're freaking out that they're not going to be able to sell before Lovelace comes out, even in October. They can't afford to overcharge for the next gen. Can they afford to charge a little more per tier? I think so. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they can afford to do what they did before. And if the bad news is that's probably going to be in a situation where a lot of people are, everything else is expensive. So it's harder to justify the price of the cards. But if you're someone who is doing fine and you're okay with gas costing 50% more than it used to, well, the benefit is, is now all of the computers are cheaper. So now's the time to <laughs> save on gas and buy a new PC. Yeah. The lord taketh and the lord giveth anyways today's video is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com now that i've got my compact alder lake benchmarking system done i am free to test a lot of graphics cards in both windows 10 and windows 11 and i always get those keys from cdkeyoffer.com that's because it's a reliable long-term sponsor of Morris law is dead that gets you reasonable Prices on legitimate keys for these types of products, but it's really not all that they offer. They also can give you keys for Microsoft Office, uh, keys for PlayStation codes, and even some of the latest PC releases like Elden Ring. And they even carry gaming peripherals in chairs now. Whatever you need, CD Key offer probably has you covered. And they're always running sales, but make sure you use the best code possible, and that's the ones provided for the Moore's Law is Dead fans. Moore's Law is Dead fans get the biggest discount, and if you Go to the link on screen or in the description. You can use code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Microsoft products and Dye Shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website. Using these codes really does help Moore's Law is Dead, and it helps you pay reasonable prices for games that you want and keys that, frankly, you just have to use half of the time. So, again, use the link in the description. Use BROKENSILICON. Use Dye shrink depending on the products you're getting, and pay reasonable prices for keys today at CDKeyOffer.com. Let us move on on that oddly religious quote there, but I think it applies here to story number six. Alchemist Performance and Pricing Leak Update. There's just so yeah, here's the write-up. Over the past week, there's been a flurry of random little Alchemist leaks. How would Moore's said summarize all of this noise? Well, the A380, that's the 128 execution unit, 96-bit, 6-gigabyte low-end card, it seems poised to at least match the RX 6400 while using similar power, and maybe, although not confirmed, get close to a 1650 Super if clocked above 75 watts with more mature drivers. But this isn't confirmed, although it should be noted 1650 Super Performance was always Intel's goal at this price range. Speaking of price range, the good news is that the A380 seems like it's going to cost $150. If it hits that price in the U.S., it could easily be the de facto entry-level GPU for all do-it-yourself builds. Because even if it is no better than a 6400, it actually has enough RAM and excellent encoding capabilities. Meanwhile, (laughs) the cut-down SoC1 ARCs, which is the 512 one at the full capacity model seems to be trading blows with NVIDIA's RTX 3060 cards, just as expected. Although this the performance seems to be a bit all over the place, likely due to immature drivers. And so, SoC1 is the one that maxes out at 512 execution units. The mm-hmm. one that we've seen benchmarked seems to be the 384 execution unit model. And so overall, the a 128 execution unit arc performs like a 1650 and a 384 execution arc performs like a 3060, It's certainly still plausible that a 512 execution unit ARC performs above a 3060 Ti, near a 3070. Finally, Moore's Law it will add that Gigabyte is 100% still on board making ARC cards, guys. I've seen them, although I can't show the pictures because it's not safe. And evidence is circulating behind the scenes that ARC really will launch in about a month. Although a hypothetical overclocked A780, not A770, Kind of sounds like it may launch in August, or something's going on with that highly clocked special edition model. Can't say more than that, people, except that it's starting to get a little more murky if they're going to call it the A780. They're going to wait to launch that later. I don't know. But at the end of the day, honestly, if I were to summarize, Arc's going to be priced aggressively, and it seems to be performing about what we expected. I don't know. Right? Roughly in the range of what we expected.
1: I mean... You know, it, it, it's just Arc is we've discussed this so freaking much now. And it, it, I think this leak more or less just kind of confirms right, or not this leak, these series of leaks more or less just kind of confirm like what the suspicion that uh, this was for the better part of a year. Now, this is maybe going to be, be competitive with a 3070 and that's fine if it's priced lower than a 3070. <laughs> Which I think it has to be, especially at the thirty seventy on the used market, probably. I mean, I don't know what they're at right now, but I, I by the time this comes out you'll probably be able to get a used thirty seventy by like for like, I don't know, maybe four hundred dollars or something.
0: Yeah. So Is it too little too late? Probably, but again it's worth remembering. Intel's going to use most of this volume in laptop anyways. Mm -hmm. And in laptop, Lovelace and RDNA 3 aren't coming out for another half a year or a year from now. And so (laughs) the funny thing is, is it's too little to be a big deal for the market, but it's probably going to slot in fine. And about what we expected, it's just, they could have made a much, we're being a dead horse here. They could have made a much bigger splash if this came out half a year ago.
1: Yeah, and I I think... Uh, Obviously, the A380, if it's priced at $150, I think (laughs) revives the uh, low-end market uh, to an extent if they release that in any substantial quantity, which I'm assuming that's cheap to make. So
0: hopefully they release a decent amount of those for DIYers. All right. Vfish36 writes in again. He says, hey, Tom and Dan, will Zen 4, Ardian A3, and Lovelace look really impressive. I really haven't had any issues gaming with current-gen stuff. I saw the Alder Lake i5-12400 is down to $160 at Micro Center. Combined with a good B660 and 16 gigabytes of fast DDR4, that will put you into a pretty competent gaming setup for under $400. Assuming used pricing does what it has after previous mining booms. Out of $300, 3070 or $400, 380. dollars I don't know if they'll get that cheap, but we'll see. I mean, I guess it's conceivably they will eventually, but probably not like right now. How do you feel such a system would hold up waiting for pricing to come down on newer stuff? As I thought about it, I really don't play the newest AAA games. I really game because of work right now. And while I could afford to spend $2,000 building a system in quarter four, I'm honestly wondering if I'd be better off buying a lot more performance, not buying off more performance than needed too soon. I'm probably not going to get a 4K monitor until high-refresh 4K OLEDs are 32 inches and under 1,000. You might be waiting at least two years for that, buddy. So, I, I I'd have to... I would have to side with actually Tim at Hardware Unbox when we last talked about this monitor situation. Do me and him wish we could get 4K OLEDs at 120 hertz for under a grand now? Yes. But if you do use a monitor a lot, don't deprive yourself of the excellent $800 monitors we have now. Uh, I don't know. Yeah.
1: I, because I, I think it's a kind of weird argument to make uh, unless, you're, uh, unless you're like in college or some or high school Mm. saving six hundred dollars i mean not spending six hundred dollars now for so you can uh i don't know save money two years later it's like that's two years is a lot of time spent doing a thing you like and i i mean if you want to wait that's fine or if you don't have much time to to game like that's a choice you can make i just think I, i i don't know i i think it's worth spending the money uh if you have uh I don't know old like 1440p or 1080p monitor uh
0: oled isn't the only good type of panel <laughs> it's not the only type of panel better than your old 1080p monitor <laughs> <laughs> yeah shall we say that so though the monitor discussion is its own thing i'm not telling you to go out and buy the latest 1500 insane display that's like 4k 240 hertz from samsung or lg those are starting to become a thing now it's not what i'm saying but I am saying you can start to get like $600, $700 4K 120 monitors with HDR that are half the price of those OLED TVs and way better than probably the monitor you have. Don't be afraid to get that. And then, and this is something I discussed with Tim as well, uh, I think a couple months ago, keep in mind, if you get a nice 4K 120 Hertz monitor for $700 now... You'll probably be less likely to be gouged at the first 4K OLED monitor because what you'll have won't suck. So it's like you can afford to wait a year after those OLED monitors come out, and then you can get it for less money, right? Yeah. Like you won't be pressured to jump. Because there were a lot of people that waited for those 4K 120 hertz displays and then bought those $2,000 HDR monitors that became $1,000 and then $800 in like a year's time. Maybe you should have just had like a good 4K 60 or 1440p 120 monitor to wait for what we have now. I don't know. That's something to keep in mind. As for your question about what you do now, do you need a desktop now? That i5 is pretty cheap, man. Don't be yeah, afraid to uh, just get that now. And the the 12400, yeah, it's
1: one of the best <laughs> one of the best uh, CPUs I think you can get on the market right now like for the price. Yeah, One what, what of the most advi- CPUs I would advise a person to get on the market. I, you can't say it's the best, but.
0: And I don't see, perf- you know, competition going anywhere. So maybe you just get that i5, which is only capable of like 160 hertz gaming. Oh, no, not 200. And you'll just game on that for a year. And then by the time Zen 4 V cash comes out, Raptor Lake's cheaper on sale. You just upgrade to like Raptor Lake i7 or something. Sounds great. Just do that yeah. if you need it now. If you don't need it now, there's always something better around the corner. And as long as you're doing okay financially, well, the recession is just going to make these products cheaper, you know, whereas other things become more expensive. All right, let us then move on to story number seven, which I did throw in at the last minute because I felt like we had to um apple announces next gen m2 silicon with eight core cpu and 10 core gpu quoting here i think from just a press release on video cards cupertino california today apple announced the m2 the beginning of the next generation of apple silicon designed specifically for the mac built using second generation five nanometer technology the m2 takes industry-leading performance per watt of the m1 even further with a 18 percent faster cpu 35 percent faster uh gpu and 40 percent faster neural engine it also delivers 50 percent more memory bandwidth compared to the m1 and up to 24 gigabytes of fast unified memory the m2 brings all of this plus new custom technologies and greater efficiency to the completely redesigned macbook air and the updated 13 inch macbook pro the system on chip in the m2 is built around an enhanced second generation finally technology of 20 billion transistors 25 percent more than the m1 which i guess is impressive because they're bringing overall it seems like 18 to 40 percent more performance it's just 25 percent more transistors and the uh, additional transistors also improve features like it, across the entire tip like memory controller and yada 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 so i thought we should <laughs> talk about this a little bit and and i have actually other links in the description that suggest that if anything into um sorry apple is underselling this that they're getting a plus 13.5 percent performance increase in the most used app ever, Cinebench R23. And then we also have 45% higher performance in a lot of uh, graphics benchmarks. So a lot of people, this I think this dropped like a day after we released the last broken silicon or the day it was released. And so I thought it might be good to acknowledge this happened. It doesn't seem like as big mm. of a deal as the original M1, but this seems like more than keeping pace with what they had a year ago. Well, two years ago, right? Um, I don't know. What, when did the M1 come out? November 10th 2020. okay. okay, so no what well, the M1 quite. pro okay The M1 pro came out in 20.
1: yeah okay. so you know I I, I don't think I, I think if I'm remembering uh, us talking about this, it, 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 we kind of talked about how like this doesn't mean that Apple's just going to start lamping every time they uh, release a new CPU. This is just their first time that they're you know moving all a lot of their stuff or all of their stuff over to their own uh, architecture. And that's kind of what it looks like we're seeing. This isn't like two years later they release a GPU that's three times stronger than what they had. It's 50% stronger. And their CPU performance seems to be pretty much in line with uh, the uplift in performance you get. And obviously their
0: power performance is... Absurd, <laughs> still compared to the rest of the market. It's but not magical, you know. It's not a 100 watt 3090. No, but it might be, you know, like a 120 watt 3070 or something, which is pretty good.
1: Yeah. So you know, still impressive power perfor- per- performance. Mm-hmm. And, but um, it's not like
0: they, yeah, it's not like Apple is running on magic. <laughs> no, it's always explainable. It's like it's impressive, but I can tell you how they did it. But the fact that they're doing it in keeping pace at least seemingly for the most part with AMD and Intel while making their own chip that again, a lot of editors I talk to use Macs for both rendering, editing and sound work. And they just say, it's so fast on these apps that are programmed (laughs) to the metal for the Mac with their custom Silicon that it's insane. Like it's to the point where they're like, honestly, if you have the money, consider just getting a Mac for editing and then have a desktop for other work. Um, You know, it's they're keeping pace. But that is a good point that I didn't think about. For some reason, everyone was like, what? They doubled performance in a year. They're going to do it every year. AMD and Intel are screwed. No, it's about what you should. It's an impressive, commendable performance increase. But it's not overly out of line with what you would expect Gen over Gen.
1: Yeah, and, you know... We'll see uh, what type of performance they get when they start gluing them together like they
0: did with the M1s. I'm sure the M2 Max is going to be very impressive. All righty then. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. I'm sure yeah, there'll be yeah. more little benchmarks. I wouldn't be surprised if TechSpot, if Tim at Hardware Unboxed, did another test of this eventually, and we'll cover that. But did want to acknowledge its announcement and release. Let us move on then to the wrap-up. So, as always, these are the stories that don't get to be their own like 5-20 to minute discussion, but we thought were worth talking about for at least a tiny bit here. So, uh, AMD finally confirmed what's in the new Raise the Game bundle that you get with the RX 6000 uh, graphics cards, which I have to admit, is a pretty good bundle. You get Saints Row, Forspoken, and Sniper Elite 5. If you like action games, I'd be a little surprised if you didn't want at least one of those. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: th- those bundles are always nice, and I they, they sometimes usually, they're of different, varying amounts of quality, though. Sometimes they are high enough quality where it gets you actually does compel you to want to get it, but I, I don't think that's that's quite there. But I think with the games they are release, I mean, bundling with it. But that, those are three games I will probably play at some point.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking around on Newegg right now, and I'm not really seeing a big inclusion of anything. Uh, every now and then, some of these NVIDIA cards come with something. Like, this one comes with free AVG Ultimate Internet Security, Dan. Mm. And an Allstate Protection Plan. Yeah, I'd rather have these three games for sure. It, it, it's just worth pointing out, because I do wonder what happens here. Like, obviously, it depends on the card you get. If you get an RX 6400, you only get Saints Row. Although, that's pretty good. If you want that game, uh and then, yeah. you know, you go up, and then if you go up to a 6,650 XT, you get Saints Row and Forspoken. If you get a 6,700 XT, you get all three games and anything above that the same. So, I I don't know. I just think it's worth pointing out, though, like, depending on where these things drop, like if an RX 6,800 dropped to below MSRP anywhere and I could get it, I might just get that to get these games and then sell the 3,070. It's a pretty <laughs> good bundle. I think it's a good bundle. Yeah, um, so I thought we had to acknowledge that. Let's move on then. NVIDIA poaches Intel engineer for ARM CPU work. What? But I thought they're not going to make ARM CPUs now that they can't buy ARM, Dan. Well, uh, no, they're
1: incapable of doing that. Yeah. Just like every company, Tom. No companies use ARM uh,
0: IP in their uh, in their stuff, right? No. Now, no, joking aside, uh, the person they got, let me see here. Uh, it says it's Rafi Moram, who was one of the people behind uh, the Tiger Lake, Tiger Lake architecture. It seems like this is by most accounts a pretty big get by NVIDIA for their uh, CPU design team. And it just kind of, again, I just, we used, I think, what is it, like a month ago, we got a lot of comments of people for some reason. I wonder if there's a YouTuber who talked about this saying that like NVIDIA's in trouble because they don't have ARM. Like AMD has, well, their own CPU team and Intel their own GPU team. I don't think so. I think NVIDIA is going to hire who they want to and build their own CPU design team, just like Apple did, and they'll be fine i mean what these companies are right these companies are all in silicon
1: valley right like yeah they they, can just hire them they they can just poach each other these uh people as much as they want to because he doesn't need to move (laughs) or he doesn't need to move far i guess i don't know how long it takes to get between one headquarters to the other but
0: um you can just hire them i think he's at an israeli facility though it says but i don't know what that really means uh, well, I know what that means. I know <laughs> that's a facility in Israel. I'm not an idiot, guys. I'm saying I don't know if that means he like, wants to move somewhere else if he works remotely, but I think I've heard it's a big get. Anyways, let's move on before I stumble around anymore. Um, I did want to acknowledge this, too. Steve at Hardware Unbox benchmarked the R5 5600 against the R5 1600. So that's Zen 1 to Zen 3. And uh, <laughs> there are some games that get over a doubling in frame rates. I guess that's not a surprise. That's, what, three gens. Um,
1: But I I think it's important to remember how much better uh, their Zen
0: 3 is than uh, Zen 1. (laughs) Yeah, and Zen 2 for that matter. And Zen 2, yeah. I've seen a lot of people talk about this too, like Raptor Lake has this huge advantage because it supports DDR4. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But also, you know, if AMD wants to... There's nothing stopping them from just churning out Zen 3 at budget prices with budget motherboards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, at the end of the day, I don't see what you're losing. It's like, well, you get Raptor Lake. You're, that's the last gen on that motherboard. You get a, a budget Zen 3 CPU for 150 and an $80 motherboard. Also the last, you're not going to upgrade that much <laughs> either. So I don't know. I just think it is worth acknowledging, though, just how much better the CPUs we have now are than the previous gens even if we're about to get ones that are just a whole lot better again. Like, these things don't suck, guys. Like, just, just to be clear. Like, they're all pretty dang impressive compared to what we used to have. Um, Okay, RX 6700 officially exists, and it is now called the RX 6700. There was some consternation about if it was going to be called, you know, the what? RX 67 <laughs> Just the 6700, but no, AMD's website calls it the RX 6700. And if you look at it, it is literally a 6700M just allowed to go to 175 watts, which is funny because that is 5 watts less, I believe, than the 6650 XT while being 10% faster. (sighs) Okay. That's, uh, once again, interesting segmentation here. (laughs) Which, if I look around, yeah, okay, on the AMD Raise the Game Bundle picture, they don't show RX 6700 on there, so I wonder what this is going to be or how often they're gonna sell it Is this because mostly, is this supposed to be a mostly OEM thing or no? I, I don't know, but okay. I just think it's interesting because it is again like a 10 gigabyte cut down 6700 XT like if I don't know where you price that but if it was like 450 or you know, like got yeah. close to 400 uh, It's better than a 3060 Ti. You're basically just getting a 3060 Ti 10 gigabyte. yeah um. All right, let me move on down the list then. So th- there was a benchmark of an i9-13900, which performed, what was it, they said 33 to 50% faster than the i9-12900. Of course, that's the non-K i9. Um. And I thought it was funny when this came out about a week ago, there were a lot of people that asked me, Tom, are you gonna comment on this benchmark? It performs 30 to 50% faster than Alder Lake. And I said, no, that's what I expect. <laughs> yeah it's
1: just if they can launch this uh at a good time then yeah that'll be a
0: really good cpu but Mm -hmm. we'll see and again it's like what do i think this means for zen four nothing this is the performance i expect out of raptor lake guys if you look at zen 4 they've already shown off a benchmark 46 percent faster so what do we have a raptor lake benchmark 33 to 50 percent faster an amd benchmark 46 percent faster than the i9 Alder Lake. so It's going to be close. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We have die shots of meteor lake six plus eight. I don't have anything to add except cool. (laughs) (laughs) We have here a water cooled do it yourself. PS five slim that I, I just thought was interesting to point out because it just goes to show how much smaller they can make this thing. If they really put money into it and it almost wonders, makes me wonder if I could get a service to just shrink it down to a Blu-ray player size. (laughs) And then have this, like, laptop-sized PS5. But it does also make me wonder, like, I'm sorry, there's just no way around it. The Xbox One chose to be big at launch. The PS5 chose to be a big console at launch. It just, I know this is a way more high-end, hundreds of dollars cooling system. I understand. But also, it does make you just wonder a little bit why they made it so big. Because it was a choice.
1: I, I mean, they wanted it to be quiet, right?
0: Yes, but this is just as quiet, if not quieter. Yeah, and it also uses a... $300 mm, worth of cooling, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess and, that's uh, the
1: balance. It, it, it's a balancing act. I mean, yes, I would say the big negative of both consoles this gen is... And I I, I still haven't seen a Series X in person, but they're both
0: pretty big. <laughs> Relative to previous gen consoles, Yes. Um, I've got a thing here from Dr. Ian Cutris, who just was kind of pointing out, and I have heard this behind the scenes as well. By the way, that Intel three is basically just refined Intel four, and that mm. we shouldn't be surprised if a lot more products are on three than four. And in fact, if you look at, I, I don't even remember if it's official or not, but I've seen in, uh, Intel roadmaps where three is supposed again. This is Intel here. Intel claims Intel three is going to come out half a year to a year after four. So if it comes out half a year later and it's refined Intel 4 and it just works better and they can make a bunch of desktop and server products like Emerald Rapids on it, that sounds good. But I don't know. Just thought I'd point that out, too, that that's what we should expect. That's why it's coming so soon after 4. It's Mm -hmm. not nearly as big of a leap as what their 20 Angstrom will be for Arrow Lake. And, um, all right, final thing in the wrap-up here. I I wanted to point this out because I have a feeling... Again, I just don't like seeing misleading performance claims. So you have a chip maker in China. What is it? Uh, Loom I'm guessing is how you say that. I hope. Forgive me. Is saying that they're about to launch an architecture that has the same IPC as Zen 3. Well, that would be impressive if it was launching two years ago. It's not. It's supposed mm-hmm. to come out in about two to three years. So it's, it's going to be five years behind AMD, guys. And... And at it at clocks a at 3 gigahertz, too, by the way.
1: Oh, boy. And it's on a way less advanced node, right? Like, yeah. So there's a, uh, <laughs> a a cap to how strong it can get in, in the first place. And yeah, good, good. good, I guess you guys are five years behind. Um, I guess you're five years behind. There, there's not much to say. I don't think that means 10 years from now you'll necessarily have laughed AMD. I
0: suspect they'll still be behind. Yeah, I mean, and again, the fact that it's limited to three gigahertz, so it's not going to even beat Zen 2. Zen 2 clocks 50% faster than that, and Zen 3 is not 50% better than Zen 2. So I'm sorry, like, what I'm looking at here is in (laughs) a few years, this company is going to have Zen 2 performance when we're on, like, Zen 6 or 7. That means you're talking about, like, less than half the performance, no talk about core counts and stuff. I guess that means finally, like in China, and then of course they could supply Central Asia and Russia chips that allow you to play video games with a modern frame rate. But outside of that, it's going to be vastly behind what people who buy from TSMC and make uh, what any amd intel nvidia products made at tsmc samsung or intel do so Mm -hmm. i don't know it's misleading It's i would say and it just goes to show like why these companies are gonna still want amd servers and intel servers yeah um like it's not like oh this just means they don't care anymore they can't get a hold of western processors it's like no that's that's actually pretty far behind. Um, all right, let us move on then here to the final reader mails. Carbon Cry writes in Hi, Tom, and probably Window or Dan. I don't know. Maybe it's someone else altogether. It's Dan Carbon Cry. What are your thoughts on the metaverse and how it is being memed all the time? I personally feel that the public view of it, the reception is similar to crypto, largely ignorant of the concept and its implications, and just dunking on, in this case, Facebook bad. Um, I think there's some of that personally, but at the same time, I don't think, like, Mark Zuckerberg showing the Metaverse, and where did he show that, Dan, where they were in a country that was flooded?
1: Oh, did them was, any
0: service? Well, that was a couple of years ago now, uh, when there was
1: it was flooding in Puerto Rico, and they decided to show off their VR headsets by going to... By virtually transporting themselves to uh, flood, destroyed
0: Puerto Rico, and they're like people rebuilding something behind them. They're like now we're wow, it's like
1: we're here, and then one of the most tone deaf things I've ever seen. But so uh,
0: so I guess just to open this conversation up, carbon cry is some of it. Facebook bad, yes, but also like Facebook made a ridiculous presentation multiple times in the past few days. Like, and there's been metaverse ones that were very tone deaf as well. So I don't think it's just because people are saying Facebook's bad. I like think they're stumbling through a lot of presentations as well. But uh, what do you think about the metaverse, Dan? Are we, is this comparable to crypto or something? I mean, it, uh... In my opinion, from what
1: I've seen about the metaverse and like everything I've ever heard about it or read or any concept I've heard sounds wholly undesirable to me. And I don't know why I would want it if I'm being 100 percent honest. I, I I remember um fa- the founder of uh it. What's his name? K- Karmic something. Carmack. John Carmack. Yeah, yeah. Or Anthony Carmack, I believe, was talking about, like, the metaverse will offer poor people a weird simulation of luxury that rich people will have when all of the resources on Earth are gone. And it's like, that is one of the most dystopian things I've ever heard. And I think most people would rather live in the real world. And the metaverse kind of, to me, sounds like a way a bunch of corporations think that they can market something some new thing that's like a not awful world for you so just be in vr and hate your life a little less and i i I don't think that sounds desirable and i i don't know what positive the metaverse has personally i i think any concept i've seen of it has been sounds like a nightmare
0: in other words it's i don't think me and you are opposed to the overall concept being desirable in some ways but the way it keeps being sold to us at least for mine and your tastes comes off as not the way to sell it to me
1: yeah and it's like vr is cool i'll probably get vr at some point but i don't think i will want to exist in vr or go to work in vr or do meetings in vr i don't know why i
0: would want to do that And, yeah, and if you say, well, this is a way for the poor to, like, pretend they're living good lives, it's like, yeah, why don't we just not have the world be shitty? Let's fix that (laughs) problem instead of spending money on that. You know, that's my answer. Um, Do I think people are just dismissing it? I don't. Are people dismissing it? Like, or is it just me and Dan being skeptical? Because I almost feel like me and you have hot takes. I don't think people are dismissing it, but, you know. I, I think most people are making fun of it because every time they
1: sell, try to sell the metaverse, it's like this thing that no one finds appealing except for seemingly Mark Zuckerberg. And like, I guess some investors who just, I think, assume it has to become big. Yeah. And it seems like this is the thing that somebody is going to try to shove down our throats at some point and I I think that's what people are reacting
0: to. Yeah, I would agree. That's what annoys me about it the most. You see them say, this is what concerts are going to be in the future because this is all we can afford to do. And, you know, oh, and then we're going to do this in the metaverse because we have to. It's like, can you just stop saying because we have to? I think any company that invests in the Metaverse is just planning ahead. There's going to be something with like VR worlds and doing things in VR and doing experiences in VR. It is more cost effective. It will supplement things. I think any company that does it best first is going to make a ton of money, but I don't like that you keep acting like you have to bow down and accept this as all of reality no, it's not a bad thing to invest in, but stop telling me it's the only thing that will matter in the future because I just don't think it's going to be the only thing that's going to matter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good way. I think it's exactly what I think, Carbon Cry. All right, Timo writes in, Hi, Tom and Dan. I know Tom is a Bitcoin maximalist, like 95% of folks in the spare market. (laughs) I don't, okay. I don't think most people are Bitcoin maximalists. I think there's a lot of people who bought into Celsius because they're not in all of those other ones. So <laughs> I actually think most people aren't Bitcoin maximalists. If they were, most of these terrible projects wouldn't have half the backing. Having said that, I'm also not a Bitcoin maximalist. I just say I'm a maximal-ish, which is like I would just like to see something that I don't think is just another buzzword thing. You know, Or would you call yourself a maximalist at this point? i i I think if crypto does take off
1: it, if crypto does take off more than what it is already, I think Bitcoin is going to be the dominant one in the market forever that's not even to say I think crypto will replace all currency or at any point. I just know um, I don't think many of you have ever thought that. I just think uh I, I don't think Ethereum is going to either. And I think
0: Ethereum is going to go away before Bitcoin would. Yeah, and it Yeah, yeah. We I mean like we can do another die shrink talking about our thoughts on that. But they're out there if you guys support like we have a whole podcast talking about that opinion. But we can always do another one if you guys vote for us to do that. But um continuing his question here, uh Let's see. Does all of this, though, dropping of price affect Lovelace, RDNA three, or even CPU pricing? As demand should be very low compared to 2021, and perhaps to Ampere at launch too. Moore's Law has suggested that RDNA three and Lovelace flagships would be around two thousand dollars. But the bigger question is: apart from universities and companies doing machine learning and AI workloads, will gamers continue to buy those overpriced GPUs when a likely used market has very good priced Ampere and RDNA two GPUs? Well, the answer is no. You know, and this is where I go. They're going to double performance. So if they could sell, well, let's just be honest. If they can sell the 3090 Ti for two grand, although that's dropping below MSRP pretty quickly now, will they be able to sell the 4090 for two grand? I think so. I I think um, there is. Maybe not, though. I think there's a surprise.
1: I think there is a soft ceiling eventually. And if the 3090 Ti is already falling below $2,000. I think the ceiling might be $2000. <laughs>
0: right, you know? and we saw Titan Volta be 3 grand, but that had legitimate uses for like AI and stuff workloads that just no one could compete with at the time. So, I think when you completely go buck wild with something that can be used by universities, Nvidia's proven 3 grand works. But in a non-ideal market for Nvidia and AMD, I think we're clearly seeing the the, the ceiling's 1500 to 2000. Like clearly. Yeah yeah and, and and so i would also just say it's not just mining though like you look at um bitcoin's price going down which remember people aren't mining bitcoin with these graphics cards but you also see the altcoin market crashing more than bitcoin and you also see the stock market going down markets are just going down and what that tells you is people are going to be less willing to spend money on stupid things anyways so it's not just mining guys
1: yeah i'm i'm sure if you want to it well you could we'll definitely be able to correlate prices of gpus to the drop in bitcoin uh, or crypto i shouldn't say bitcoin i should say crypto in general i don't think all of the drop will be explainable by uh, bitcoin I, I i think probably some of the drops and prices we'll see will be related to that but that i i don't know if you can easily say how much of it is directly because of the crypto bust when everything is falling
0: right now, you know? Yeah, like I'm looking around at the stock market, AMD was worth $164 a share, I know it got that high. I've, again, people accuse me of being a shareholder. I don't, I haven't owned AMD stock for a very long time and I actually owned Intel stock recently. I don't own any stock now, um, but like I didn't realize it got that high. I guess it was at $166 in November, well, it's now down to $82. That sounds like no, a crypto no. drop to me, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so you look at crypto, and I think one reason you're not seeing that many people dunk on crypto as hard as they could is it's like, mm, compared to what? <laughs> like, everything's crashing, guys. And in a crashing market, whether Bitcoin, AMD, stock, just tons of things right now, you go, well, people aren't going to buy dumb things as much anymore. And I think... AMD and Nvidia will not be able to get away with ridiculous pricing this time. And if they try to, I think people are just going to not justify a card that expensive. Yeah. Will they charge more? Well, they're doubling performance gen over gen. Probably justified too. And they're using more expensive nodes. Probably justified too. But again, I don't think all of these people who are like, oh, 7700 XT is going to only have eight gigabytes and be $600. No, it won't. <laughs>
1: Uh, and uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the seventy-seven hundred XT costs four hundred eighty dollars. Like I don't, I don't know, or four fifty with eight gigabytes. Yeah, it's like I I, I just think prices at the mid range and low end are probably going to stay at the MSRP they're at right now or close to that, and maybe there will be at the they'll try to squeeze another I don't know two hundred to five hundred dollars out of the Halo enthusiast here because. Once again those people
0: will spend eight grand on a
1: PC for some
0: reason yeah and again I just I just keep coming back to how funny I thought that was when I did like the Navi 33 leak and two people thought I was insane there were people who were like there's no way AMD's bringing an eight gigabyte 6900 XT to only 500 they'd charge way more and then there was the other group that was just like that's way too much <laughs> I don't know what to tell you it's probably gonna be 400 to 500 eight gigabytes and double performance or close to double performance of the you know whatever it is but uh all right let's move on to the final question here brett summers writes in he says please read this on an episode with danny boy well that's what we're doing hello tom and dan what do you guys think of Microsoft's first-party efforts? I'm specifically mentioning this after their June showcase, and I gotta say, it's super lackluster in my opinion. They're consistently showing me why Xbox Studios are a bit of a joke to some people. And it's not even the quality of the studios per se. They own id Software and Arcane, after all. It seems like they have almost nothing to show for their acquisitions. And then you have what seems like flop after flop, or just meh after meh. Halo Infinite, State of Decay 2, Sea of Thieves. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't comment on Sea of Thieves. I know some people like it. I can't comment. I can say me and you liked State of Decay 2, but it's not like a 9 out of 10 or anything. But we had fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we would say Halo Infinite, good. But the follow-through is Battlefield 2042-esque, unfortunately. (laughs) So, not the launch. Better than Battlefield 2042. But the follow-through on content Mm -hmm. seems very lackluster. Um, I, I I don't know. I I didn't watch the showcase. Um, I'll, I I've heard some people talk about it. It was like ninety minutes, and there's still a lot of games that don't have release dates. I don't know. did do you have any opinions about what was shown at the showcase and like Microsoft Studios? You know, um, Red uh, Redfall looks like it could be
1: good. The the trailer I watched. The voice acting turned me off a little bit, but. It looks like it could be a fun left for dead type game. Um, You know, Starfield looks like it might be really good. It looks like, but it's a Bethesda game. So honestly, I wait, I'm going to wait for reviews, especially and probably wait even longer because knowing Bethesda, it's probably going to be really buggy when it comes out. Other than that, there's not, I don't have too many opinions on any of the games they're making right now. I mean, I'm sure Machine Games is making another. Uh, is making another game right now that I want to get. I'm sure Senwa Two will be good, but I mean, Hellblade Two will be good. Although I do think that's a funny game because, like, I don't think Hellblade demands a sequel. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just not too much. I think that's that interesting that they've announced right now. No, like, uh. Yeah, I, I I don't think that any of their big heavy hitters, I, I don't really think they have any. Like, Halo was their big one, and like you said, they didn't follow through very well on it.
0: So, yeah, I don't really have much of an opinion, but it's because also, I just don't have expectations <laughs> for these studios. You know, like, I played Halo Infinite, thought it was fun. Oh, pleasantly surprised. I didn't know what they were going to manage to pull off after the last few Halos. Like, Starfield, zero expectations out of Bethesda Studios. If it's good, I'll be pleasantly surprised because they've had a few misses recently. And Redfall looks really cool, but it's not like a, you know, super game for me. But it looks fun. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't... Is it a joke? I think it's a joke depending on what your expectations are. If you're some fanboy who hypes up these studios like it's going to make Sony go out of business next year, no. No. Like there's a reason they can't keep the PS5 in stock, guys. So, but at the same time, if you're someone who says like they have nothing to show, and they have some to show. And if we're being honest, all of these studios were bought at a time where they didn't have anything coming soon. And I think people just should take this as a lesson that the something we've said since the beginning of the of this generation. The reason Microsoft's showing off so many games without release dates early is because they have to. Yeah, like. um like what would their press conferences be if they didn't reveal these games too early yeah, and all
1: I'm nervous about with some of their uh some of their games it's like they bought uh they bought Ninja theory, which made Hellblade, which is a great game, and then they had announced a sequel for Hellblade seemingly before like a director or anything was attached to it, which means They had no idea what they wanted that game to be, which Mm -hmm. if you played that game, you would think they would want a concept for what that sequel is before they announced the game. But that's what makes me nervous about what Xbox is doing is they own 40 studios almost now, I think. And I don't think they know what all of them are doing or know what they want all of them to do. (laughs) Right. And that's just not a great sign for some of their games um i i mean i'm sure they'll have a bunch of great games come out at some point but there's that showcase didn't have much in my opinion except for starfield has a thousand planets whatever that means
0: yeah yeah and that's not a way to sell me on that i mean that's kind of like no man's sky marketing there it's like not to compare it to no man's sky, but I, I kind of have to, it's like, Oh, it's being compared to no man's sky online
1: a lot right now. So <laughs> it's just like, I don't
0: want a big number anymore. You know, I've only so many hours in the day. I, I just make it good. Don't tell me there's like 500 hours of gameplay and you know, whatever it was, um, the one zombie game that just came out, tell me it's good to play for a hundred hours or how about 20? I'm busy. <laughs> I don't need yeah. to play it for 500 hours. Um, all right, I think that's about the all I have to say about that. We got through all of the reader mails, all the stories. Dan, do you have uh, anything you want to add? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, as always, I'll just reiterate again... Thank you guys for listening. Remember, um, you know, subscribe to the podcast on your app of choice. Give us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people see us as we move up the rankings and get recommended to other people who might not be watching the YouTube channel. But also subscribe to that YouTube channel. Ring the bell button of Moore's Law is Dead. And then if you have the extra money, support us on Patreon. You know, it's morbid, but the it does go towards Reese's Medical Bills. And for $2 a month, you'll get... You know, entire exclusive podcast with guests like the 6G expert that just came out. So if you have that extra money, we cannot do this without our patrons. And they get so much extra content from it that we use, you know, to pay me, Dan, Gerard. We have a new rendering person that will have a featured stuff on some upcoming videos pretty soon. I'm really excited about a video I'm working on with him regarding an upcoming graphics card, guys. Besides that, again, I'm just starting to ramble as usual. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) Take care. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother. Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moores Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on broken silicon die shrink and loose ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover States podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws, that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums, and give Broken Silicon a five star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address MLHBDead at gmail.com but as i said this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it and so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans the following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels brad medlin drita full av anthony greffa greg patecki muhammad akwari brett jones aaron close little Jeremy, jan rauner daniel hyde ivan k brian Regelman, Joachim Hagen, sam miller deke thomas rupp the mechanical philosopher terence harris snes chalmers Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanteck, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valco Malev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamtum G. Spamtum, Jonathan, Michael Johnson, General Gyps, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Gregory S. Acker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, my name is Nobody. Kelly, hardforum.com, original Ross, Licky, Stefan, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey, Butler, Jeremy Scanlon, Sarcastro, Castro, Stephen Hart, Jason B, Meat and Port, Stu, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse, Jess Kowiak, Jrafis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Danny and Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Matt, Sutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Ah Patrick Groh, Amy Will Chief, Brett Summers, Danny Nugent, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kunden, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, Mac Daffy, Delmaine Peterson, James Anderson, Y, Trui, Mark Rainmaker, Seth Dominguez, 3DS Boy08, Hal Buma, Nerithiel, Matthew Landabazo, Stefan, Koladik, Henry Zhang, Judson N, F7GOS, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337, Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah and Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferriera, Zabe 3 D Thomas A. Tief, Klein, Brittenman, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Axel Cisneros, Royce Mayer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Morpheus, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Sandy Garrido Saunderson, David Eastland, Cameron, Andre Jacques, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Sandler, Eric Osborne, loophole 35 Windstar Joker, James I. Radner, Corey Leonard, Sammy Malas, John Shin, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.